head on over to patreon.com forward slash severe podcast right now to support the podcast and sign up for our premium content and now here's the podcast graham mcdonald is an idiot sean sheehan of severemma.com he even has the audacity to call himself the quote-unquote pod god this is Severe MMA. Severe MMA. Severe MMA. Severe MMA. The Severe MMA podcast is finally here. What is up, everybody? Welcome back to another edition of the Severe MMA podcast. And it's a very special edition of the podcast today as we are breaking down the three upcoming Cage Warriors trilogy cards with the man himself, Brad Wharton from Cage Warriors. Brad, how are you? I'm very well, thank you. Um, I am currently stuck in a hotel room, going out of my mind with boredom. But apart from that, absolutely fine. Three oh. massive cards coming up this weekend and could not be more excited. How much Vimto do you have in that hotel room right now? Oh, mate, absolute nightmare. I've got zero. What? Zero Vimto. Why? So, I be- so basically, I-, I dropped all my gear off at the hotel. So the, the hotel is in a bubble. Mm-hmm. Well, rather, there's a bubble within the hotel. Yeah. So I can't get into the bubble until I've been tested. So I dropped some of my gear off at the hotel, went to the shop, thought, right, I'll get all my snacks and, and whatever I need for the week. And I've come back with about 10 things that I didn't get, like mm. Vimto being the most important one, obviously. So yeah. unfortunately, I'm Vimto free. Although I have heard tell that we've got some runners that could go to the shop for us who aren't in the bubble and they can drop things off at reception. So... If uh, if anyone sees a lad running through the streets of Manchester at night with two big bottles of Vimto under his arm, that's, that's probably me. Probably for you, or probably. Also, how long do you have to stay in in the bubble when you get your test results back? What's what's the crack? What happens then? So to so, I think it was around three o'clock today. Everyone that got tested yesterday got the results back. Mm-hmm. So they've actually they've sent the results um, on a motorbike courier to a helicopter place, and a helicopter's flown them to Northern Ireland. Really? Uh, yeah, yeah, because it's the quickest testing. Yeah. Or the quick, the quickest processing, rather. So we should get our results around three or four o'clock tomorrow. Right. Uh, and at that point, we're allowed out of our rooms into the bubble, but we can't leave the bubble till Sunday. Right. Uh, the only time we leave the bubble is when we get on the Cage Warriors coach. Okay. So um, and then today's, for people yeah. listening, today's Tuesday, by the way, as well. So, yeah. That's that's very good. Like I, I think it's very interesting because we we kind of talked about it in our maybe on Twitter or in, or in private before. And I talked about it on the podcast before. Like it's going to be a challenge. Like for the UFC, the UFC can afford to do whatever they want. Like the UFC could, you know, give ten grand to to, uh, to test everyone and get them on the card, and it still wouldn't cost them any money. But it's different for cage warriors. Okay, cage warriors are better in a better position probably than most promotions. But even the promotions in Ireland and stuff as well. And I'm sure some of the ones in the UK want to do this. It's not feasible for all of them, but. It's great to hear that that's what Cage Warriors are doing, and, and it's uh, it's a good way. You know, I talked to Ian Gary earlier on, and he's in the same position as you. He's got his test done, and he's stuck in his hotel until he gets the results back. So it's uh, it's good. And hopefully none of these fights that you're about to talk about fall off. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah let's, uh, keep our fingers crossed, yeah, eh? Let's keep our fingers crossed. What, what we can do is like, we'll, just, we'll record it so we can just dub the names out, yeah. and then if you need to <laughs> chop and change anything, you just have to... Get on audacity later on and yeah. just chop and change some names out. I can do that. We're talking about like <laughs> a great upcoming fight with Ian Gary. <laughs> he is fighting seven and four. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's exactly what he do. Right, let's get a let's get into the fight. So we might as well go uh, day by day uh, here. And the very first fight on the card. Uh, so it's the, the cards are Thursday, Friday, and Saturday, if I'm not mistaken. Obviously, Cage Warriors one one four, one one five, and one one six. So we'll talk about one one four. I think this is a very interesting first fight on all the cards. Uh, and this is topology, so maybe this is not exactly the way it is. But uh, Oban Elliott versus Mikel Figlak. That, to me, is a really interesting fight. Because everyone's talking about these two Figlak brothers. And I'm Matthias is on this as well. He fought Ian Gary in his last fight, if I'm not mistaken. And Oban Elliott is probably, you know, one of the best up-and-comers, I think, in in the scene at the moment. Definitely in cage wires anyway at the moment. You know, he's just looked really, really good. And this is one of those fights that, like, maybe we could look back in a couple of years and think these two guys met at a stage where it was, maybe it was a little bit, maybe not too soon, but at a stage where both of them kind of kicked on and became really good fighters. Well, what do you think of this fight that's supposed to get us kicked off, the Oban Elliott and Mikhail Viglak fight? Well, uh, this is actually going to be the uh, main event of the prelims for night one. Okay. Um, so it's apology if I've got that first day. Uh, they've not ordered it right yet. Okay. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, th- I think if you're going to pick one of those fights to headline the prelims, 
you know, Open Elliott versus Michael Figlock is, is a pretty good choice. Two great prospects, you know, the, the Figlock brothers, uh, people have been talking a lot about them for, for years. And obviously they're both just starting out their pro careers. And, you know, Oban's a guy who's, you know, skill-wise, you can definitely see he's there already, but he's got he's got the other stuff as well. He's got, like, the character. He's got the marketability. Like, he gets it. He gets the game. Um, and you love to see that with young guys. So very much looking forward to that one as, as a, a nice test of two, pro- two prospects. I think I think people may be writing Figlak off purely because Oban's got the bigger fan base, but mm-hmm. I'd keep a very, a very close eye on this one. It could be a lot of fun, I think. Yeah, I was talking to someone the other day about this fight who'd kind of know that both of them very well, and they they reckon Figlak is is the one to take there. He might be a bit of an underdog in the betting and stuff. And I I, I know I, I like Oban Elliott. I think he's very good, so that's a, a very good one to maybe open up, uh, open up the weekend and the main card as well. Obviously, there's a lot of Irish interests around the the, the premium card. So there's a lot of Irish interest in this, and another guy like sometimes you get guys coming through. Like, and we'll talk about him later on, obviously with Dean Garys and the uh, the Paul Hughes and all and. They kind of break through and we hear a lot about them, obviously from, from me and from you and on the broadcast and everything. But sometimes guys kind of come under the radar a little bit. And I feel like John Mitchell is one of them. I know he's only 1-0, but his performance in Cork in that opening one, and we've seen him as an amateur and stuff as well. Like, I really think John Mitchell is, is one of these guys that if everything goes right for him, I think he, he can be the next one in line to get the 3, 4, 5 and all, like the Ingarries, like the uh, the Paul Hughes coming out of Ireland. Have you been impressed with what you've seen from him, from him so far? Yeah, I mean, I, I must admit, I hadn't seen a massive amount of him before. Mm-hmm. Uh, he fought for us at the end of last year in Cork. But when uh, when a guy comes out on his professional debut and the venue makes that much noise, you're like, well, hang on a second. Like, who's this dude? Like, th- mm-hmm. this is a guy to, to take notice of. Um, you know, that performance against Eric Nolan, I believe it was, was, uh, was very impressive. And you've just got to think, like, you know, I'm sure Cage Warriors are going to try and get back to Ireland as soon as possible. Mm-hmm. Um, so whether we go to Cork or Dublin or, or, or wherever else, um, you just maybe get the impression with, with a guy like John that he's going to be the next guy to sort of come up. Like you say, get get that sort of unbeaten record early on, but have the support of the fans that, that have made some of those nights in Ireland so special for Cage Warriors. You know, the atmospheres that we've had. Uh, you know, have been real style making uh, sort of situations for these young guys, mm-hmm. and and John kind of gave me that vibe last year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, hundred percent. He's fought. I think he's had thirteen, fourteen amateur fights as well. So fought some of the best guys in the scene around here as well. So you know, I think that one good thing about the Irish scene, maybe before the last couple of years, you know, he's been fighting since two thousand and sixteen. I think it says here. He's a lot of experience, you know, some of the guys fighting, going up to Norton, fighting the Akuma and the Cage Legacy cards as well. Those guys have good experience and stuff as well, and fighting in the IMAPs, I think he did it in 2018 maybe, and he fought uh, Kenny Mokahana as well, who's a very good amateur around here as well, so he's very, very experienced. And looking at his opponent, uh, Alan uh, Berla- Ber- or you'd probably say it better than me, Berlaski. Berkowski. Yeah, he lost his first two fights, but he won in 14 seconds in his last fight, if I'm not mistaken, so that'll be a bit of a test as well, won't it? Yeah, you know, and he's he's um, he's fighting out the lines then as well under Dave Matthews. So he's a teammate of Craig White, the Thundercat, um, and all the guys from that gym are really tough, man. And you know, they uh, they're certainly no walkovers. So you know, we're talking about two guys who were quite early on in their career. You know, whether you're two and zero or one and two or two and one, you can't really speak to experience really at that stage. So. Uh, again, you know, just looking forward to see how this one actually actually plays out. And again, this could be another very, very fun little scrap. Mm-hmm, 100%. I suppose the other uh, Irish interest in that card in is Kieran Mulholland versus Jack Maguire, both 1-0 uh, uh, after coming in, obviously, and making their debut in Cage Warriors last time out as well. So that should be a, a very fun fight. I think there, before we get to maybe the main card that sticks out here, George Smith against Matthew Bonner, two experienced guys there. And we, we already mentioned Matthias Fidlak, he's feeding, uh, uh, fighting Malar's uh, Fluminas. Uh, that's another fight I think that stands out to people maybe in, in the UK scene or, or in the European scene, indeed. That's going to be a big fight as well, isn't it? Yeah, I love uh, I love Fluminas. Like, I love his like crazy movement. He's got that really kind of awkward, herky-jerky, uh, you know, really unpredictable. You don't know what angle he's going to come in from. Uh, you know, really enjoyed his fight against Alan Proctor. You know, unfortunately, that was the first loss of his career. Um, but you know, put up a really good effort against Proctor, who, who obviously now is, is is the number one contender at welterweight. So, no shame um, for Flamina losing that one. And again, you know, we talked about the Figlock brothers briefly earlier on. There's a lot of hype behind both these guys. 
um, you know, just talking to people on the scene, everyone that I know who's trained with them or seen them fight or seen them roll. You know, there's a lot of respect to be had for these guys. Obviously, both training under Paul Sutherland, former Cage Warriors, uh, lightweight world champion himself, um, and, and, you know, a real pioneer of uh, mixed martial arts in this country. So they've got, you know, a, a strong figurehead there guiding them. And, uh, yeah, I think that's going to be another fun scrap. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of experienced guys in this car as well. Aaron Kelly versus Mick Stanton has been around a good while. And Conor Hignett versus Adam Singer. Um, those those fights should be pretty good as well, aren't, aren't, aren't they? The, especially Adam Singer, the, the Adam Singer brothers are always around the best. And they're always <laughs> mad to bang, aren't they? And he looks pretty good, Adam, doesn't he? Yeah, Adam, you know, he, he's fought some tough guys early on. Um, mm. You know, I think he, he lost to Liam Gittins, I believe, and, and Gittins is an absolute stud as well. So, mm. no shame in that. You know, lightweight, uh, sorry, flyweight rather, it, it's not uh, the deepest talent pool in the UK. So, mm. a lot of these guys end up fighting each other quite early on. So, you know, it's not uncommon to see, you know, a couple of losses on, on the records here and there. But that just means that they're fighting good guys all the time. You should fight good guys all the time. Sometimes you, mm. you don't get it. But Adam looks stunning last time out. Uh, absolutely stunning. A buzzer beater KO um, at the last event we had here in Manchester. And Conor Hignett um, fought uh, Darren O'Gorman, was it, last time? Uh, there was that, it was that crazy fight where he got caught in a triangle for like the entire second round. Mm -hmm. And it looked like his head was about to pop off. Uh, for about four and a half minutes straight uh, and then two rounds down possibly a 10-8 round in the second uh, he came back and scored a massive knockout you know Connor is I want to say he's about 24 mm -hmm. um, I called his first fight just after his 16th birthday and he knocked out a 34 year old man like this guy's got experience mm -hmm. uh, he's been around the game a long time and I think that fight is you know if, if you're asking me to pick maybe a a fight of the night prediction that that one would definitely be up there Hickner versus Amasinga it's a big night for the flyweights isn't it? obviously with the the title fight uh, on the top of the card and I'm looking there's three there's, yeah, there's three flyweight fights on it with the, the one you just mentioned and Jake Hadley versus Hack as well uh, uh, obviously with uh, Fadim versus Shanks in the main event as well big night for the flyweight like the flyweight division I feel is a division because there was a lot of talk in the UFC about them getting rid of it, that there was like, oh, what's going to happen with the flyweight division now? And flyweights all over the world, you know, building up for the last maybe five, six, ten years to get to the UFC, and then I think it's gone. But I f just feel like in the last, what, what, maybe 18 months when the flyweight division with Henry Cejudo and the UFC has kind of been given new life, I feel like the flyweight division all over the world has kind of gotten new life as well. And there's going to be new life bred into the Cage Warriors flyweight, flyweight division, whatever happens here uh, on, uh, on Thursday night as well, isn't there? What, what do you think of that main event and the other uh, flyweight fights as well? Could could they maybe, uh, could we see the next contender in one of those fights? Oh, I think absolutely you will. Um, and, and yeah, like you say, you know, when that when there was that whole thing with the UFC, all, you know, all of a sudden you've got all these flyweights having, you know, a couple of extra potatoes with the, with the Sunday dinner <laughs> yeah. looking at the old bantamweight division. But it, it seems to have picked up again. Uh, you know, th there's another big flyweight fight on... Uh, either Friday or Saturday, Sam Creasy uh, versus LeBlanc, which is uh, you know potentially an, another uh, fight that's that's going to sort out the, the top five in the Cage Warriors rankings. But you know, going back to uh, that Jake Hadley fight, you know, I, I really hoped that Hadley would have signed with Cage Warriors not long after he turned pro. Mm -hmm. uh, obviously, he ended up going to EFC, got that amazing opportunity to go over to EFC uh, and, and beat there. You know, their big guy, Zulu, who was obviously, you know, who's on tough and, mm -hmm. you know, one of the biggest MMA stars in South Africa. And Jake went over there and beat him when he was like three and oh, and won, you know, what for me was a legitimate world title. Mm -hmm. um, you know, you, you don't go and get a judge's decision in South Africa easily. You know, he really stuck it on him. Mm -hmm. um, and I think even though he's only five and oh, you can't really doubt his experience and credentials. Shaj Hack is a guy who's been around the scene for a long, long time. He's kind of flitted between bantamweight and flyweight. Um, I'm really happy to see him back on Cage Warriors as well. And I think realistically, uh, it, it might come down to who gets the more impressive win as to who fights for the title. Yeah, you know, Hignett, Amasinga, Hack, Hadley. I think, you know, with a, a big knockout or a crazy submission, you can't really deny any of those guys a, a title shot. Um, and and the title fight, you know, uh, Fadim was a real unknown quantity when uh, when he came over and fought Sam Creasy, got got that crazy knockout on. Mm -hmm. I think it was the Night of Champions card. Uh, but Luke Shanks is a guy who, you know, again, you know, we talked about it with the Figlat brothers. 
everyone that you speak to who's trained with the guy or seen him train or watched him fight terrifying terrifying prospect mm -hmm. um again you know only six and one but has fought some solid guys um beat pietro menga in his cage warriors debut uh last time out a big knockout of a guy who's been probably one of the best flyweights in europe over the last sort of five ten years in menga uh so that was a huge huge moment for shanks mm -hmm. um it, a lot of people picking him for the upset there yeah I, I it's a very good fight and it's funny you, you know you mentioned fedin coming into uh, cage warriors there having not been in before and shocking a lot of people it's amazing how ian dean picks these guys up because if I'm not mistaken, Natias Frederick hadn't fought in Cage Warriors either, had he, when he won the title. And Correct. Gerardo Fanny coming up this weekend as well. We'll talk about him soon, but I watch a lot of his fights and he's really good. Like, Ian Dean, like, you can watch someone, and I watch guys fighting maybe in, in smaller promotions and stuff, and you think they're really good, but it's hard to assess, like, how good they are compared to other guys. For Ian Dean to be able to know how to do that, I just think that's an absolute genius. <laughs> like that we're looking at there. How, like, oh, just a quick word on Ian Dean as we're going through all these fights he's made. He's brilliant, isn't he? Honestly, mate. You know, when I when I I've been with Cage Warriors for about eight years now, mm -hmm. and I kind of turned up as like this MMA nerd who they like hired to do all the interviews, and you know, came in thinking I was the bollocks and everything. Yeah. And then you spend some real time talking to Ian Dean, and you're like, no. That guy's the bollocks. Ian Dean's, you know, he's he, he's the man. Like his knowledge is, is second to none. Um, he'll probably hate me for saying this, but I do think he's the best matchmaker in the sport. Mm -hmm. um, and you know, he he just cares so much about the fighters, their careers, the fights they're having. Uh, you you will never find a guy more dedicated to the sport than Ian Dean. Mm -hmm. Absolute legend of a man. Yeah, he's he's brilliant, and it's amazing because. There's two things I think that kind of you need to do as an MMA promotion. You need to put on exciting fights. And especially if you're a promotion like Cage Warriors, you need to build your fighters correctly. And all promotions need to do as well. And like, I'm not just saying this because you're on here, Andy, but I've said it on the podcast before. They're brilliant. Cage Warriors are brilliant to do that. And Indy and obviously in Graham Bylan as well, leading that way. Absolutely brilliant. But this, this Friday night card, just looking through it here. This card is about as good as you could get in European MMA. I think it's absolutely fantastic. Even if you look at a, a fight like uh, Decky McAleen versus Adam Vintra, who maybe for, for some people are looking in and go, okay, it's a guy who's 6-3 against a guy 8-4, but Decky McAleen, and he's always so exciting on the ground, throws his hands. Adam Vintra has knockout power. He will put it on the line like that Dylan Chuk fight. Everyone remembers it. Even though he lost it, he came out a winner in many people's eyes as well because it was such an exciting fight. This fight, we'll get to all the rest of them, but this fight is a fight for me that kind of stands out. Like, what's going to be the, maybe the undercard banger of the whole week? And I think this might be it. This is going to be fun, isn't it? Oh, mate, if you don't enjoy this fight, and if you don't enjoy these two guys in this fight, just just find a different sport. Like, croquet or something is probably more <laughs> up your street. If, if, these, if these guys don't get the blood pumping. Like, you know, I've, I've called Adam's fights for years and years uh, on the domestic circuit. You know, he's fought for... He's fought for us on FCC and obviously he's fought on Cage Warriors as well. And he's fought on the Cage Warriors Academy shows. And he, he just leaves everything in the cage every time. Um, he's had some devastating, devastating bad luck with injuries um, over the past couple of years. So I know how much it means to him to get in the cage uh, on Friday night. And, and, you know, he's not going to have waited all that time to not put on, you know, that classic Adam Ventry performance so really looking forward to seeing what Adam brings to the cage and, and Decky you know you could probably say the exact same thing about Decky you know the guy's not in a boring fight ever if you want to watch a guy who's going to get in there and regardless of the outcome just going to put his foot on the gas for 15 minutes that's Decky you know this is Decky is the kind of fighter who could be you know two and a half rounds down and he's not going to give up for that last two and a half minutes. He's yeah. going to be like, all right, I've got two and a half minutes to win this now. Let's go and stick it on the guy. So those two together, it's going to be uh, a fantastic mix. And uh, I'm very much looking forward to watching yeah, that one. That I don't get to watch it, man. I've got to work. It's terrible. Yeah. I, I, might call in, I might call in sick on Friday and just oh, no, sit. I, I, I got coronavirus. I'll have to watch from my hotel room. <laughs> <Yeah>. Saturday. <laughs> oh, it's cleared up again. I'm fine. <laughs> false alarm. Yeah, it, was a, it was a false positive. It'd be fine. It'd be great. Uh, look, look at this card. And I, was, I was talking to... Uh, to Ian and, uh, and Andy there earlier on, and they were kind of saying one thing that stands out for them, there's a lot of undefeated guys on all of these cards. You know, we talked about Jake Hadley earlier on, and a couple more. 
as well. And we'll get we'll get to Ian Gary in a second, maybe because the Irish guy. We'll talk about him a little bit more. But you have Adam Wilson here against Wesley Maya. You have Ben Ellis, Kingsley Crawford, uh, and Nathan Fletcher as well fighting Lee Mitchell. Uh, you know, Adam Wilson, uh, Ellis, and Fletcher all undefeated there. There's there's a lot of good prospects here on these cards, isn't there? That like some okay, not all prospects are going to go and become cage warrior champions or go to UFC or whatever it might be, but. There's a lot of guys, and what about those three guys? Do you think those are three of the guys as well that need we need to be looking at, saying they could be the next guys, the next, you know, uh, Jack Cartwrights, whoever it might be, coming through in, in Cage Warriors to, to get to the next level? Yeah, I mean, you know, Ben and Nathan and Adam, we said, didn't we? Um, mm-hmm. Just just a lot of hype behind them. One of the things that I do think is probably different about, um, you know, UK, European MMA maybe wasn't there sort of five, ten years ago, is that a lot of these guys have had proper amateur backgrounds. Yeah. So, you know, normally you think, okay, well, this guy's 3-0, and so he should probably have a few more easy fights to, you know, build himself up, and he may- maybe shouldn't be fighting another prospect at this stage in the career. But actually, these guys have had, like, 15 fights because the amateur is at a good level now, whether it's through the uh, the IMAF competitions or, or just the, the sort of thriving uh, domestic circuit that we've got uh, in the UK, Ireland, uh, uh, and even mainland Europe. Mm-hmm. So it, it, it's becoming a, a case where they're able to take these fights a bit sooner. So, you know, ordinarily you might think, oh, well, you know, don't want to see two prospects fight each other. Well, actually, this is this is the equivalent of 10 years ago, two guys who were, you know, 10 and 1 or whatever fighting each other. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, Fletcher, Adam Wilson... Um, and Ben Ellis all have uh, a lot of backing, in, you know, in terms of the, the people in the know in the industry. Mm-hmm. Um, I also heard Ben Ellis referred to as the Welsh Khabib oh, really? uh, this week, so that's uh, that's what I'm going to be calling him from here on out, whether he likes it or not. Nice, I like that. And I suppose Ian Gary, then, you know, he's made himself stand out, I suppose, over the last while. It's it's funny to look at Ian Gary's record and see he's only three and zero. It feels like he's been around for a long time, and he's another guy as well who's had. I think he was 6-1 and one as amateur, if I'm not mistaken. He had a good few fights anyway. But I was uh, talking to him earlier on, and it's very interesting because, you know, we were talking about uh, Ian Dean a second ago and talking about how he builds guys up. And I talked to Ian before, and he says, you know, getting to the UFC at the right time or getting to the cage warriors title at the right time is, is, a very, uh, is a very important thing to do, you know, to get for the fighter themselves, not just for the promotion or for the matchmaker or whatever, for the fighters themselves. And I think Ian Gary gets that. You know, I've talked to a lot of fighters, and I'm sure you have too, and... I think most fighters, you know, say I'm the best in the world right now and I can get there right now. Give me that fire right now. And Ian Gary, okay, he was talking about Usman and, and Matt Hazmat and stuff as well today. But he's, he's also saying that, you know, if I get the belt and I win five fights in Cage Warriors with the belt, I'll be happy. I'll only be progressing. And when I, someone like me hears that, I love to hear that because, like, I feel like to, to get the best out of fighters, you need to build them up at certain stages of his career. Get the early fights against, you know, cans are just get experienced guys who've been around you know the i, I don't want to call it poor old Reese street a can or anything well like guys, guys like that get them in get a bit of experience journeyman, journeyman and, and then build them up against guys as well and i think uh ian gary hasn't had that in fairness because he's had it in cage warriors but he's doing well at the moment like you look at a guy like ian gary and george mcmanus as well this fight this is a tough fight for him because Ian's usually you know, he's a big guy for that welterweight division and he's fighting another big guy here in George McManus who's strong and is a very good grappler. This is a big test for, for Ian and a big fight as well for George McManus because Ian Gary is a, a big name kind of coming into this as well, hasn't he? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, in terms of the profiles, obviously Ian's got a bigger profile. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, he came through again uh, the sort of amateur academy system uh, at, at Cage Warriors had a very entertaining kind of last amateur fight that was it was a, a really wild one mm-hmm. and he's had some really good uh, what I would sort of call showcase fights you know early in his pro career he's not fought uh you know he's not fought guys who were just going to be falling over in front of him he's fought tough guys um but they've allowed him to kind of showcase his skills and progress and obviously that's what we're trying to do here at Cage Warriors trying to develop the talent you know build build them up um and it's it's just great with a guy like Ian because he gets it, you know, he gets it. it's a marathon, not a sprint. And you know, personally, I, I would never fault anyone for you know jumping into the to the UFC or, or something like that at an early stage because obviously, you know, financially it changes things completely for them in terms of the career. Mm-hmm. You know, it might mean that they can uh, you know work less or or not work at all and, and just focus on fighting. 
Um, but, you know, you talk to Ian and he's like, look, I'm a young guy. I've got this opportunity at the moment. You know, if, if it doesn't all work out in the grand scheme of things, I'm still a young guy and I've still got places to go. And, and he's just not in a massive hurry. And I think, you know, if you look at the guys who've gone on from promotions like Cage Warriors and other shows mm-hmm. uh, and the guys who've actually had longevity in the UFC, it's, it's the guys who've had some tough fights beforehand. And mm-hmm. again, I think Ian gets that. Um, and I think, you know, he's going to have some tough fights, especially if he's, you know, looking in the next year or two of being at the top end of that cage war as well to weight division. But like you say, he's got George McManus in front of him uh, this weekend. And uh, I, I know Ian uh, and his team will not be overlooking George, and nor should they. Mm-hmm. Uh, an exceptional grappler, exceptionally tough. Uh, and, you know, he he takes... Ian's limelight and spotlight, you know, if he gets this, if he gets the win this week and all of a sudden he's going to be the talk of the town, he's going to be the guy that beat Ian Gary. Mm-hmm. 100%, yeah, I'm really looking forward to that one, obviously, well, the, probably the bigger Irish fight in early in the week anyway, along with the, the Decky McLean and Adam Vintra fight and obviously the ones on the Thursday night as well. And then we go up towards the, the top of the main card, that Jack Grant fight, Jack Grant has been around for a long time against uh, Yassine Belhaj, uh, and that should be a really, really good fight, 155. And the, the top two fights, obviously we have the the 185 pound title up for grabs between Matthias Frederick and Jamie Richardson. We'll get to that in a second and the main event as well. But this James Webb Craig fight, uh, Craig White fight, even for for me, I look at this and this is kind of uh, apart from maybe the the main event. This is and the, and the co main event. This is a standout one for me. Obviously, James Webb, the former champion, Craig White's been around for a long time in the UFC and everything. And look at his record. He's a good few losses now in the, in the last while. But a win over James Webb changes everything around and I suppose a win for James Webb probably puts him back right in with a chance of getting a title shot again you know Natalia Frederick if he wins in that uh, fight against Jamie Richardson whether he's going to the UFC or not you know they're they're one on one let's say and there are two fights between them and I don't think putting James Webb and Natalia Frederick back in there would be bad matchmaking in any way especially if Webb has two wins in a row so big fight here for Webb but a big fight for Craig White as well isn't it yeah absolutely uh, I think uh, this is for, for the unofficial title of nicest guy on the Cage Warriors roster as well. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, whoever... Uh, it's like the BMF belt, but nicer, yeah. you know. Um, <laughs> no, yeah, I'm really, really looking forward to this one. Uh, guys really need the win at the moment. Uh, obviously, you know, Webb uh, got back to winning ways against uh, Mick Stanton last time out. Craig's had a, a tough run, but against some, you know, really, really legitimate opposition, you know... Um, I think Jordan Santos has gone on to sign with the uh, the PFL, and obviously, uh, you know, he had a couple of losses in the UFC. So no shame in that. I know he's had a bit of time off, um, and he's fighting at middleweight again, so he's not worried about a massive weight cut. Uh, and like you say, a win here for either guy kind of, you know, is a reversal of fortunes. Craig's kind of at that point where he's probably, you know, in cage war, he's never more than two or three wins away from a title shot. Mm-hmm. Um, and like you say, w- with James, there's that narrative there of Natias Frederick, you know, that, that third fight against him possibly, or a fresh fight against Jamie Richardson, mm-hmm. if Richardson were to come out on top. Um, you know, you've also got the, the realisation that Fight Island starts this weekend as well, and there's going to be, what, four weeks of cards, five weeks of cards, and people are going to get injured or fail the COVID tests, there's going to be opportunities for these guys. So, you know, Natias, Jamie could be off to the UFC. You know, if, if one of them could get a win and, and not be injured, uh, all of a sudden that belt's vacant and the winner of the web white fight has got a good shot to say, well, you know what? I just want a big fight. Stick me in for it. So there's a lot to play for in that one. Yeah, it's, it's a very interesting. That's kind of a thing maybe you wouldn't think of, you know, especially if they get a big winner. Let's say Frederick goes in and gets, or Richardson goes in and gets a quick finish here. And they, they call that name, you know, they're on UFC Fight Pass and go, here, I want to get in here, maybe a fight has fallen out this week or something, and there's a middleweight fight or a light heavyweight fight up for grabs, it's, it's a big one, but... Uh yeah, I think there's a big kind of a, a little bit of a, a middleweight uh, tournament going on there, a four-man tournament, so we'll see how, how that plays out. Uh, this main event, though, to me, this is the fight of the weekend. I think it's absolutely fantastic. A lot of people might have seen Gerardo Fanny's name and said, oh, you know, who's he? I've you know, watching Cage Wars a long time. I don't know who that guy is. Uh, and going in here against Jack Cartwright, a guy who kind of came from nowhere a long time. Although I remember Harry Williams saying he did not get, come from nowhere. We knew how good he was <laughs> up around that scene. Uh, and we quickly found out people who hadn't seen him before how good he was. Absolute fucking beast. And even going, I think he went five rounds in his last fight, if I'm not mistaken. He looked very good yes. going there as well. But to me, Fanny is, is a fantastic fighter all around. 
he is just he's, he reminds me of a small Derek Lewis on the ground he's just so strong <laughs> he stands up when he's mounted and he's really good submissions and hits hard can get hit as well so he's in for an exciting fight either way to me to, haven't watched gone back and watched a good bit of Fanny and oh, that's, that's, that sounds bad that sounds bad how are you go- first of all now, before we get to the fight how the fuck are you going to commentate in this fight like how, how is that possible I, I sort of feel like I've been stitched up here like I think this has been done on purpose because there's no way and it's obviously but there's no way that um i'm not gonna be having a little bit of fun with this i don't think on uh on friday night no man it's uh it is what it is i think uh i think the cage warriors office want um a kind of repeat of the old uh danny my anus fight yeah uh, <laughs> But if that's what they want, I'm I'm happy to give it to them. Yeah. I've had nothing but funny on the mind ever since the, <laughs> ever since this one was announced. So we're such. I said it about six times there, and I didn't break. But the last time, I was like, whatever phrase I made, it was terrible. But... I mean, it's it's been, been a good excuse now. So when my missus goes through the search history and she just sees funny. <laughs> I've got an excuse. Fanny getting banged. Yeah, no, I didn't. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, it's a good fight, though, isn't it? Like, because Jack, Car- Jack Cartwright, I'd say he's one of these guys that's not that easy to get fights for him because, like, you know, even though he has the belt on the line, he is a dangerous, dangerous guy. And this is a very good fight, isn't it? Listen, you know, Jack Cartwright is a bantamweight and he's got that attitude about him and that kind of swagger about him that you know when he walks into the room there's guys who are six foot three six foot four and 200 pounds who are like oh shit that's that's the one that's the mm-hmm. guy not to mess with he kind of exudes that um uh, you know he's, he's just got that aura about him mm-hmm. and, and and again he's one of those guys like you know you, you mentioned that harry had uh, had sort of talked him up and obviously I, i've been around that scene a lot with fcc and we've had jack cartwright on there and you know he's just he's just not the guy he's not the guy to be trifled with and he's not the guy to be taken lightly mm-hmm. um everyone kind of got that coming out party experience with jack cartwright as he sort of entered the cage warriors tournament as as the rank outsider but you know talking to him after after the tournament he was like oh, i didn't really feel like an outsider i knew i was going to go in there and knock both guys out and it it wasn't arrogance or cockiness like he he believed it like he genuinely believed that he was going to walk through that tournament uh, with very little resistance, and that's exactly what he did. And the crazy thing about Jack Cartwright is that he will tell you himself he's more of a wrestler than a striker, mm. uh, and that is why this fight, I think, is going to be so good because Gerardo Fanny has got power in his hands. Mm-hmm. He's got those lunchbox hands like Jack Cartwright has. He's got good ground and pound, and his submission game is decent from the bottom as well. So I think we're going to see some crazy exchanges. I think we're going to see some nice takedowns from Cartwright. And then much like the the Billich fight that Cartwright had last, he's going to be forced to defend some triangles, some heel hooks from the bottom. Uh, I, I just think it's got the potential to be like either a crazy early finish or five rounds of absolute back and forth mayhem. And I'm with you, Sean, to be honest. Uh, probably the fight of the weekend for yeah. me. Like Gerardo, he's Jack Cartwright's the type of guy who dominates kind of every second of fights. You know, when he, he's either going forward, even when he's taking shots, you're just thinking he's kind of setting the guy up. And Gerardo's the type of guy who never gives up. You know, even you see some of those fighters. I think Natalia Frederick is kind of another one uh, in the, in the command event. He could be getting dominated in a fight or losing badly in a period of a fight, and you just don't see one bit of giving him. It's just like I'm just I'm fighting until I'm winning again, you know. And that's unusual in MMA fighters, and I think that's why this fight has, it's just has the perfect blend of two fighters to become a really really good fight. And I can't wait because you know you talk about Cartwright being more of a wrestler than a striker. It's going to be very hard to, to wrestle Fanny because he will just get up. He will. He's so fucking strong, and we'll see. Like if if Cartwright can hold him down, I like I'm thinking straight away Cartwright's he's going to be getting to, towards the top of the UFC very soon because uh, this is a really really tough matchup for him on the ground, especially uh, in, in terms of holding the guy down. So I'm like I'm really really looking forward. To it. I can't wait to, to see that. And in amazing, we've another night of <laughs> fights on Saturday. No, isn't it? Jesus. It's absolutely insane. Like. <laughs> I know Cage Warriors have done some mad stuff before, like, mm-hmm. you know, moving an event from Scandinavia to the Middle East in, like, two weeks. And, you know, at one point, just before I started, actually, they did uh, three events in three different countries in 11 days. Mm-hmm. Uh, and even though these were all in the same place, it just seems like such a crazy undertaking. And, and 
you know, can, can you imagine if all these fights that we talked about tonight were on the same night? I mean, you know, for us here now, that's how it feels like. It's, yeah. it's, it's one event with all these incredible fights. Uh, yeah, I, I don't think you're going to see anything like this it's, ever again in MMA. Do you know what's good as well? There's two things I think are very good because uh, the first thing, when Bellator came back, I thought they made a huge mistake in not coming out with big, huge cards. You know, they had like maybe one good fight in their first card and maybe two in the like. Cage Warriors is just right here is everything. Maybe apart from a, a, a Paddy Pim that's not fighting and a couple of more guys, but like all their young prospects coming up, all, most of the champions coming up. You know, we, we'll talk about the rest of this car, but I think that's really good. And do you know what I also think is good? I think the fact that there has been a couple of months now since gyms in the UK and Ireland and across Europe have opened up. These guys are all going to be well prepared. You know, I was <laughs> talking to Ian Gary today. He said, you know, he's been preparing during the lockdown and after the lockdown from this and he's well ready for it, you know. And I love that because I, I hate see and I'm sure look some of the guys mightn't all be hundred percent prepared, but I think there's a better chance for these guys with that extra month or two to be better well prepared and these fights are gonna be what you'd expect them to, to be. And maybe even a little bit better because the little niggling injuries and, and stuff like that, they've been able to recover from them. So you know, it's a, it's all really good yeah, I, I, forward to. I, I think, you know, realistically, Cage Warriors probably could have done an event four weeks ago. Yeah. But you know, like, you know, Graham's come out and then done interviews and just said, well, yeah, we might have been able to physically host an event somewhere, mm -hmm. you know, uh, privately hire a hotel uh, and whatever, but the guys aren't ready. Mm -hmm. um, and I think it, it's kind of, we've hit that kind of sweet spot now um, where they've, you know, obviously the, most of the guys are keeping fit anyway because they're, they're athletes. Yeah. Uh, you know, they're not, they're not sat there on a Tuesday night on the cans like we are, sure. Mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, uh, to peak and get your training campaign, that's that's important, you know, getting the weight down and, and, the, and the fitness up. Uh, and they've had that opportunity now. And I think also it's not been a, a situation of, you know, they've been given like three weeks and told, right, you've got to fight in three weeks. If you want to fight, you've got to fight in three weeks. Like they've had time to mentally prepare as well. Mm -hmm. um, you know, obviously no one likes being stuck on the shelf. Um, and they're probably at a stage now where they've got all the frustrations of that. They've been able to focus on training for you know six, seven weeks, eight weeks, whatever it's been um, since since they got the fight book. So I think you're going to see guys who are you know well rested probably you know maybe maybe not carrying niggling injuries in, in, into fights and uh, yeah just a great opportunity for everyone really 100 mm -hmm. uh and this this saturday night Then we go i suppose from bottom to top uh kyle mcclurkin who obviously has been around this scene a, a long time is fighting uh christian leroy duncan uh here who's making his uh, his debut uh steve amiable uh who's been around for a long long time is fighting jordan uh vukovic who i saw in his last fight i believe coming out he's one of those guys that come out and they go who's this brick shit i was <laughs> coming out and he looks really really good and that uh that amiable fight will be no joke uh, Joshua Unwardy against Jack Collins as well, and Sam Creasy, who we mentioned before, fighting Nicholas LeBlanc. What's uh, and Kieran Lister against Tom Irons as well, as well, I suppose, there before we get to the, the top of this card. What sticks out for you there in, in those fights and someone we should be uh, watching out for? Well, I, I'm a big fan of Sam Creasy. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I will admit that I've not seen a whole lot of Nicholas LeBlanc. Uh, obviously, you know, done, done some tape study uh, in the run up to it, but wasn't massively familiar with him. Uh, but I've always rated Sam. You know, he's been around the scene a long, long time. Uh, you know, he's a true martial artist, mm -hmm. and uh, you know, it's just again one of, one of those guys. Just a pleasure to watch fight, really. So, really looking forward to that. Uh, Steve Amable versus Jordan Buchanan. Um, oh man, that's going to be wild. Like Amable's never in a boring fight. Um, you know, he's probably on a bit of a rebuilding phase now. He obviously dropped that uh, kind of a lopsided fight to Mads Burnell. And, uh, and you know, lost out in, in a very narrow one to uh, to Perry Goodwin last time uh, last time out uh, in in you know another fight of the night contender. So Steve's a guy who always brings it. He's got a gas tank that will probably last him for nine rounds, let alone three or five. Uh, and Jordan is just one of those up and coming guys who, again, he's had a ridiculous amount of high level experience for only six fights as a pro. Mm -hmm. So you know, he's probably um, you know, a little bit wiser than his years, uh, and he'll have to be to, to be competitive against Steve. So that for me is a real top, uh, coin toss of a fight. Mm -hmm. Yeah, looking forward to all of those. Um, this Paul Hughes Aiden Stephen fight. This is a really really interesting fight to me. And before before we maybe get to the fight itself, on Paul Hughes himself, I remember we did the, the zooms, which you were uh, a part of, drinking a few cans back in uh, 
back at the start of the lockdown. And I remember we we Ian Gary on and we were kind of slagging him, saying Paul Hughes is the best uh, prospect in Ireland. <laughs> stuff. And funny enough, he agreed. You know, and it's not it's not often you get Ian Gary to, to say someone's better than him. But I think Paul Hughes is maybe that year, maybe two years ahead of ahead of some of the other guys like John Mitchell and Ian Gary and stuff coming through in Cage Warriors because he had those injuries and because it took him a while to be able to get fights and took him a while to get the Cage Warriors contract as well. And I think that might benefit him a little bit, but. I don't know my bias or not, but I feel like Paul Hughes might be the best prospect coming through in cage wars. Say, if you look past Mason Jones, who's the champion now at the moment, and maybe a couple of other guys as well, he's something. You just he looks like something special, doesn't he? And Aiden Stephen, this guy is a real, real tough matchup. He will push you against the cage. He will pull you down. He'll make your night an absolute nightmare. And that's how I feel like what he's going to try to do to Paul Hughes. This is a real, real tough match. Like Ian Dean is doing Paul Hughes no favors here. This is a tough matchup, isn't it? <laughs> uh, you know, I don't think uh, I don't think Paul wants any favors. No, indeed. Uh, he, he's he's got that attitude about him where, you know, if if something happens with the featherweight title fight, mm-hmm. you you bet your ass that Paul will be sticking his hand up. He'll be yeah. texting Ian Dean saying, "I will take that fight." Wouldn't even have to tell him who the opponent is. Mm-hmm. You know, he's just he's just he's just game as fuck. Mm-hmm. Um, my, Paul Hughes is my mum's favourite fighter. Oh really? Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I, I I didn't even know my mum watched Cage Warriors, and the day <laughs> after he got that head kick knockout, I got I got a phone call. She couldn't remember his name, bless her, but she said that that nice little fair haired boy who kicked the other man in the head. <laughs> um, so my my mum is like I've set her up on Fight Pass. She's going to be watching. Uh, she's going to be watching Paul Hughes. Uh, uh, this weekend, she'll have to so, get a yeah. shout out on Saturday night. So. <laughs> Miss, Mrs. Wharton approved. Um, but look, you know why? Why wouldn't you? Uh, his fight style is exciting. It's fan friendly, mm-hmm. and he's good. He's really, really good. Again, he's you know he's fought some tough guys, and he's going to fight some more tough guys. And, and one of them is Aiden Stephen, who he was going to fight this weekend. Mm-hmm. Aiden is uh, a thoroughly unpleasant grappler. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know he's not going to. Uh, he's not going to you know make it easy for anyone. Um, you know, you look at his his recent professional loss, Steve Amable. You know, who, who's a guy who's fought for the title. Um, so that that kind of tells you the level that he's at. Uh, he's beaten Kingsley Crawford, who's another prospect. He's beaten Chris Edwards, and you know, if, if you're sub- submitting Chris Edwards, mm-hmm. that's that's serious business, man. Like Chris is one of the most underrated fighters in Cage Warriors history, for my money. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and his jiu-jitsu is second to none. His tenacity is second to none. Um, so for Aiden to be able to submit a guy of that level uh, speaks absolutely volumes. Mm-hmm. Uh, Paul, no more of a, uh, as more of a striker. So, uh, you know, he, he's, he's going to have, um, you know, an interesting game to play on Friday night. You know, mm-hmm. do we see Paul Hughes uh, trying to defend the takedown and trying to get those shots off? Is he going to surprise us all by going to the ground uh, and getting another submission victory? Um, it's one of those fights that, it's tough to predict where it could take place. You know, there, there are so many possibilities here. Uh, and, and, you know, there was there would certainly be no eyebrows raised if Aiden Stephen uh, were to submit Paul Hughes because, you know, to be frank, he's that good on the ground. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it's really... I'm looking at the, the topology rankings here. Paul Hughes is number 28 and Aiden, uh, Aiden Stephen is 14. So, like, Paul Hughes probably coming into this as a favourite, but, you know, the, the rankings are still a little bit different at the moment. I, I think this... Like... It could either be an absolute banger of a fight or it could be a more technical, like maybe slow-paced fight. But whatever way it goes, I think it's going to be very good and very close. And for maybe for the, the hardcores, they're going to really enjoy this. I think, apart from maybe the title fights in this, this is the standout fight for me in terms of high-class fighters, in terms of meaning what you know, a real good matchup between the two of them. So I, I really can't wait for that one. I suppose you mentioned the, the featherweight title as well. Morgan Sharia obviously fighting Max Koga here. It's Morgan Sharia is one of the weirdest fighters I think around because he he's like a KSW fighter or something like that. You know, he's just this huge mad following that kind of came out of nowhere. And if you're tagged in like a thing that Marion Morgan Sharia is tagged in, you're just your mentions are gone for days and stuff. He's mad. What can you explain to people who mightn't have heard it before? What's the crack of Morgan Sharia and how aside from the fighting, how is he such a big name in France? So uh, Morgan is um, really good friends with... Now, I'm going to show my age a little bit here. Mm-hmm. Um, apparently, uh, you know this thing, Twitch, with yeah. the, the, the gaming online gaming stuff, thing, yeah. and, and 
and and YouTube, and they they play all the I don't know what YouTube is. If I'm not that old, <laughs> um, but yeah, they play all like the online games and yeah. they make videos. And these guys are like modern celebrities now, right? Like mm. they're all millionaires and this that, and the other. So Morgan did a YouTube series with a, a friend of his. Um, where the, he helped the guy uh, to lose weight and get fit, and they filmed the whole process. They made like a a web TV series of it, uh, which was absolutely huge over in France. So you know, this guy in in terms of the MMA scene, like he's he's the guy in France. Like mm-hmm. he he's he's the famous guy. He's the guy that all the French MMA fans get behind. He's the guy they all want to tune in and watch. And, you know, you only need to look at his previous fights and cage warriors where, mm-hmm. you know, he's fought in, in, in London, for example. They all come over. He's got an army of fans at cage side. Um, and, you know, for, for a young guy um, to have that kind of support where they're following him overseas already, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's kind of similar to what I used to see with Jack Shaw when we went over to Belgium and all of a sudden there's like 50 Welsh kids from the valleys. Mm-hmm. all pissed up and singing songs like <laughs> it's it, it's in, insane to see that kind of like organic fan base so um you look at his record now 15 7 and 1 is his record mm-hmm. but what you have to understand about that is mma um has been very different in france it's yeah. essentially been illegal up until this year mm-hmm. um so they they fight under a, a weird early pancreas style rule set uh, but what it also means is that most of these young french kids have to travel to get fights and when you travel to get fights, you end up fighting a big ticket seller in his backyard. So mm. you have to take fights that maybe aren't good fights for you developmentally. And you see a lot of the French guys, you know, look at some of the French guys you're going to see coming through on, on Bellator and Cage Warriors and, and elsewhere. They've got messy records. Mm-hmm. But just look at Morgan Charrier's recent fights. That's all you need to know about him. The kid is nails. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and this should be good fights on Max Cog, obviously, coming into Cage Warriors as well. But he's fought over in PFL and he's fought around a long time as well. This, this is going to be a big battle, isn't it? And it's a big fight for Sharia because, as you mentioned there, uh, MMA has just become legal in France. So it, whether it's Cage Warriors maybe going to France and putting on a big card and a, in a, maybe a big arena because he's so popular, or him getting signed by the UFC and the UFC going, uh, when obviously when the, the pandemic clears away, this is a big fight for Sharia, isn't it? And there could be a lot of money on the table ahead after this. Uh, so it's a big one for him to win. It's, it should be a good fight, it should an even fight as well, shouldn't it? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, Max Koga, uh, again, he's probably uh, you know more for, more for the hardcores, more for the kind of MMA hipsters. Mm-hmm. If if you've been following the MMA scene in Europe over the years, uh, this guy is just a guy whose name has popped up constantly. You know, mm-hmm. he's fought all over the world. Uh, you know, he was considered uh, a kind of a, a shoe in to get to the UFC at one point. Um, had a, he had another crazy like domestic like, like European MMA super fight. Uh, in 2014 against Nicholas Backstrom. Uh, Backstrom w- won that one and, and ended up going to the UFC straight afterwards. Uh, and this kind of, in, in a weird way, reminds me of that fight quite a lot because you've got two guys who are like the Euro MMA hardcores, mm-hmm. know them very well. Um, and it's it's kind of one of those fights you think, oh my God, like why why is this, this fight like happening? Like this should be a fight that happens in the UFC maybe. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think we're really lucky to see this on Cage Warriors. But look, you know, selfishly, I would love Morgan Charrier to be with Cage Warriors next year and, you know, to be headlining uh, an event, a Cage Warriors event in Paris. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just think that'd be really cool, like a nice way to cap off his journey. But, you know, he's that good, man. And I think if you, you know, we talked about it earlier, if he wins and he wins quick and he doesn't get hurt, why wouldn't the UFC sign him? Because mm-hmm. I guarantee you that Bellator will be asking after him. Yeah. So, you know, why, why wouldn't the UFC get in there and, uh, you know, strike while the iron's hot? And I'm, I'm sure there's going to be some eyeballs on it. And, and look, let's not write Max Koger off. Like, Indeed, yeah. the guys are stood. He's been around the world. He's fought top guys all over the world. I think Morgan cannot come into this expecting Max to, you know, be a stepping stone for him. 100%. And I think the, the main event, is, you could probably say the same. Like, we, we get to... Um, We'll get to Mason Jones in a second, but I was talking to, to Jake Smith about Adam Proctor obviously coming from uh, up around the, the north of England, around Newcastle and South Shields, and he, I said, what do you think of him? And he was like, he's just hard-nosed, like, he's just, he, he fights everyone, and looking at his record, you know, it's very hard to see a record as good as this for for someone in, in the local scene, you know, fought uh, Perry Goodwin in his fourth fight, fought Sam Bolt, who was 7-0 and at the time, fought Nathan Jones, 
when he was 11 and 6 fought Ashley Reese at 6 and all oh, and Maddard Flaminas as well who uh, who you mentioned before that uh, and another 10 and 1 fighter before that 8 and 3 fighter before that before we get to Mason Jones, what a record, though, Adam Proctor. I love his nickname as well, the Love Doctor. Oh, what a nickname. What a great nickname. What a nickname. This is a t- I'm, a big Kiss, I'm a big Kiss fan, so mm-hmm. calling Dr. Love is, is one of my favourite <laughs> songs. Oh, I, why he doesn't come out to that, I don't know. I might have to have a word with, uh, I might have to have a word with him about that. Well, yeah, man, that record is solid. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if you even look at some of the other names on there that, that might not jump out, but David Round, mm-hmm. uh, that's a dangerous fight to take for you, your, uh, your fifth pro fight. You know, David uh, has been around the scene. Hits like a truck. Uh, he's a welterweight who once went to, I think, Norway or Iceland and fought in an uh, open weight uh, one-night Valley Tudo tournament mm-hmm. against three super heavyweights and got to the final. And he lost to um, that bold, light heavyweight in the UFC, whose name I forgot, really heavy hands. Oh, uh, yeah, not the guy. I mean, not yet. <laughs> no, 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 no. Uh, European guy. Oh, God. It'll come to me. Yeah. I'll text you later. Don't worry about it. <laughs> anyway, very, very good fighter. Um, uh, and Ant Davis, well, Ant, Ant Davis a record of two and eight, but that really doesn't tell the whole story. Ant is tough as fuck, but he just fights. He did, you know, he doesn't fight regularly. He'll come, he'll kind of go away from the sport for a while and then come back and face an amazing prospect. And he gives everyone a good fight. So, you know, he really has been battle tested. Sam Bolt, Nathan Jones. Uh, my old friend Ashley Reese, uh, the 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 beast of FCC, as we used to call him back in the day, um, you know, brought to beat him um, in in a, a very grueling fight. You know, and I think it was it was ACB, I think, wasn't it? Mm. A couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and his cage warriors run, you know, just tough guy after tough guy. Uh, Rubino, Santolati, Flaminas, uh, and, and look, it's it's not getting any easier for him. With Mason Jones, is it? Yeah. Like, you look at Mason Jones, and coming into that Joe McCoggan fight, I thought it might be a little bit quick for Mason Jones, a little bit too soon. And, like, we obviously we saw him that Donovan Desmond fight, I think, was probably a changing fight for me and a lot of people. I know a lot of people knew how good he was before that, but when you beat someone like Donovan Desmond, and you're, what, your 6-7 fight, that's a big win. But the way he came in and fought Joe McCoggan was just, I think, a different level. He just showed that... I, I think he showed that he was Cage Warriors Championship level and probably a little bit above that, you know. He he is fantastic. I really, really think like he's... Like you look at someone and they're 9-0 and you're thinking any more fights they, they get to the UFC is probably, you know, it's probably just getting more ready because I think he's ready right now, Mason Jones. And I would normally say that for a guy with only like eight, nine fights in their, uh, in their career. But after you do that to Joe McCulligan, I don't think... I don't think fighters who are not fantastic don't do that to Joe McCulligan, you know. Uh, and, uh, you know, we, I know we talked about Joe around that time as well on the Zoom uh, and said how good he was and, you know, how good Joe is makes Mason Jones look even better. But this, like, the thing about Mason Jones is no matter how good he is, Adam Proctor comes in there and does what he wants to do. It's going to be a tough night for him. And, it, look, it's going to be a tough night for, for Adam Proctor as well if Mason Jones can do what he wants to do. But it's, it's a really, really big fight for both of them here, isn't it? And this is, like, this is... Uh, about a high a possible level as you can get in cage warriors before these guys are snapped up by the UFC, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. I think you hit the nail on the head there, Sean. Um, that you know, we, we've we've always known how good Mason is. Um, you know, it's, it's self-evident. You just have to watch the guy fight. He's mm-hmm. he's mustard. Um, but the way he fought Joe McCulloch, I mean, look, man, no one's having an easy night against Joe Ali. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you, you looked at his previous fight, the, the draw that he got uh, on the unplugged show. Fight, One of the yeah. maddest fights I've ever called uh the guy is just tough and seasoned and if you go in there and stop him well well then look you know you, you, you're obviously um you know at, at this sort of pinnacle of european mma at, at that stage mm-hmm. and you know mason kind of walked into that fight and you know the way he fought the way he performed the way he moved and, and the way he picked his shots and threw his strikes it didn't look like he had any intention of, of not walking out of that building with the belt um I, 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 a good. Uh, let me tell you a little story about about Mason that really kind of, sort of set my kind of expectations of him. Um, he fought on uh, one of the Cage Warriors shows. I think it was when he fought Lawrence Tracy. So it was probably second or, or third uh, pro fight. And obviously, um, he'd only fought in Wales up to that point. I think he'd had two fights in Cage Warriors and one fight on like a regional show. Cage Warriors ninety uh, one. Yeah. 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 Um, and, you know, went out there, great performance against a solid opponent. 
and uh, you know got his hand raised. And I, I guess he maybe must have fought on the prelims because I remember going into the sort of backstage warm-up area and he was there with his team. So I thought, oh, yeah, I'll go over and say well done kind of thing. And he's basically pestering Ian Dean for another fight, which obviously happens all the time. Mm-hmm. And what he, what he was saying to Ian, which really has always stuck with me, he said, I've had three fights in Wales now. I don't want to fight again in Wales next. I want to go to London and I want to fight a hometown favourite in their backyard because mm-hmm. I want to know what that feels like. And you're like, holy shit, like this kid's, you know, still in his like early to mid twenties. Mm-hmm. And that kind of attitude, it, it just kind of really stuck with me. Like th- this isn't a guy who's like full of himself or just setting high expectations for himself. This is a guy who wants to do it all. Mm-hmm. And the next thing for him, surely, obviously the, the cage was well to wait belt, but the, the next big step for him is getting signed by the UFC. And with that kind of attitude, if it, do- if it doesn't happen this time, it's going to happen. Yeah. And the big thing about this is, you almost forget about it. This is for the welterweight belt, as you just mentioned. You know, he's the lightweight champion. So we have that thing where, you know, we had it with, uh, with a couple of guys back through the years, like, can you get to the, you know, the Conor McGregor level with those two belts, uh, you know, up above you and on the cage. Those sort of photos and those sort of pictures as well with a guy 10 and 0, that immediately creates hype, doesn't it? And immediately create. And the thing, like, the thing about Mason Jones as well is he could be one of those guys that you mentioned earlier gets signed for um, if he wins here. And by no means it's an, an easy victory, any, but if he does win and he does get signed to the UFC, he's one of these guys who will go into the UFC and maybe in Fight Island and absolutely spark someone quickly or make an absolute show of a very good fighter and it'll be bombs away then you know you could be looking you could be looking at the the next hazmat coming through here because i i really think that highly of him not the not to blow it out of proportion ranting here but i really think mason jones well, is no. that good. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah i think you're absolutely right and, and i i think like you know look, if he gets signed to the ufc let's just say for instance that he wins mm-hmm. this weekend and he signs with the ufc and gets you know not not a late notice fight, but if he you know he gets a proper you know set up fight, mm. whoever he fights in that first UFC fight isn't going to be significantly at a higher level than Adam Proctor, Absolutely, right? Because yeah. Proctor is one of the best welterweights in Europe. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, look, even if it doesn't happen for Mason, you know, all, all that's happened is that he's moved up in weight and lost to a guy who's got twenty five pounds on him and mm. and you know four inches in height. Um, I think that's going to be the telling factor is, yeah. you know, uh, Proctor has got, obviously, you know, his, his uh, technique is, is impeccable, especially in terms of, of the ground game, but he's going to have some solid physical advantages here. Um, now, is he used to using those? Because normally he's fighting guys of, of a similar size. Well, we'll, we'll find out, uh, you know, can he, you know, can he really make the most out of his fight? You know, we all we often talk about the, the physical advantages of rangy strikers, but you know we're talking about a guy in Proctor who you, you're going to think he wants to close that distance, get on the his man against the fence, crush his man against the mat, yeah. uh, and try try and you know wear Mason out, get that submission. Can he do that for five rounds? That could be the story of the fight. Mm-hmm. It's going to be a really interesting. One. It's going to be a really interesting. 35 fights or whatever it is over these three days I'm, I'm really looking forward to it and uh, I, I say you're probably glad that you have a few days in quarantine there that you can study all of these fighters and get right up to date because I'm sure that's not an easy task as well and I know you know you know honestly mate if I yeah. um, if it weren't for bad luck I'd have no luck so I have quarantined I, I, I self-isolated for a week uh before before I came down here so mm-hmm. if I don't pass this COVID test I'm be really pissed off so um I don't normally do a lot of research before events. I've got like a weird memory where I can sort of pull a lot of stuff back up mm-hmm. uh, and I'll watch tape on guys that I've never seen before. But it has been really nice this past week just going through some of the old Cage Warriors events uh, and the big fights for, for the guys who've, um, you know, who are matched up on, on, on this series of events. Mm-hmm. And like, you just appreciate the talent so much. And you, you're like, man, like, if I was never, if, if I, I think. If I could pick any event I've ever worked to, you know, somehow go back in time and watch as a fan rather than having to work it, it's got to be this one, right? Mm. Like, it's got to be the trilogy. Yeah, there are just so many good fights. And, like, uh, what I love as well, and I kind of realised it when I saw young guys around Ireland fighting as an amateur and incoming through and getting, you know, to the big shows, and even Reese McKee getting to the UFC, I think I saw him make his debut or one of his first couple of fights. Anyway, it's like you can... It's great seeing 
a guy build up through or you you know seeing a guy early and go oh he could be good and then he becomes really good and there's lots of guys on this you know one and all three and all five and all and this car coming up and you could be saying in a few few years I saw Jack Hadley when he was five and all or I saw Ian Gary when he was three and all and now he's you know in the UFC or in the top five or fighting for a title or something like that and you know it's uh, make yourself sound smarter than you actually are like the two of us it really is but also you know what what a privilege that you know there's there's the opportunity to see these guys and, and it's not just on a regional show that you can't access unless yeah. you buy a ticket it's it's on fight pass which you know it's, it's five quid you know you're paying five quid for three absolutely banging events you know even if i do say so myself mm-hmm. um and, you know you're getting to see these guys like i'm really lucky i've been commentating for just shy of a decade now so i'm kind of at the stage where i've seen guys have like the first amateur fights who are now knocking on the door of the ufc mm-hmm. and for me it just it makes being a fan of those guys so much better because i've literally followed their entire career so you know if you're an mma fan and you maybe just watch the ufc and, and, and bellator and you know little bits of other stuff like get on these cards man not just cage warriors like get get on these good european level cards and follow these guys career because we're in we're at a sort of stage of mma now where there's a ufc card every week like mm-hmm. sometimes sometimes too with the contender series and this it's just all it's just an overload there's so many guys you can't get excited for the fights a lot of the time i i, I certainly find that anyway mm-hmm. but the the situation we have with the last fight island it's all these guys i've seen them from being amateurs i've seen them come through cage warriors and i'm seeing them in the ufc and that, that fight island for me was some of the the most enjoyable MMA I've seen in years. Mm-hmm. So, you know, get on these cards, boys and girls, and uh, you know it's, the juice is worth the squeeze. Indeed, indeed. Brad, thank you very much for joining me. I hope, uh, hope the quarantine goes well. I hope that test is passed, and I hope you get to call these three, uh, three uh, cards at the weekend. Because, in fair, I must say, like. I criticize commentators a lot, and I think there's actually there's a lot of really good commentators in MMA these days. But yourself and and the lads over in Cage Warriors do a really really good job. Uh, so uh, keep it up and fair play to you. And thanks very much for putting on these uh, these great shows for all of us to watch. Oh, I really appreciate, it, man. I really do. And thanks for having me. Oh, but we better better get a fucking shout out now on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> thanks very much, Brad. Thanks everyone for listening. We'll see you all next time. Good luck. <laughs>